I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, it's pronounced Deborah. This is Flop Culture. You are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where we mainly talk about flops, but we also talk about bops, hot goss, pop culture at large, and everything in between. I'm your host, Fanula J. I'm glad to have you here for the first time, last time, or otherwise. If you haven't uh, listened to last week's episode, go catch up with myself and Brian Lloyd. We're talking all things Independence Day Resurgence. What a terrible sequel. Very much floppy. You'll enjoy it if you haven't listened already. Another film flop this week, but before that... Let's take the news. As I was prepping to record, the Grammy nominations were announced. I'm going to pick a few of the kind of main categories, the categories I think people will be most interested in. We obviously had a few people kind of following the trend with the Grammys of not submitting records. This year, significantly, it was Silk Sonic, who are Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. They did not submit their album, even though they won a lot of awards for Leave the Door Open the previous year. Uh, Drake hasn't submitted anything previously because he doesn't believe in it. I know Frank Ocean didn't submit anything the year he released Blonde. We're seeing a lot of people kind of book that trend in terms of not acknowledging the award ceremony and what it means for music and everything like that. Then on the other hand, you've artists like Beyonce, obviously very significant year for her, making her come back in inverted commas. Does Beyonce ever really go away? Uh, with Renaissance, she is looking to win in the dance electronic categories, uh, which I don't think she's ever won in before, but she's just looking to expand that hall, bring the gongs in, obviously with Break My Soul. Um, she is back competing with Adele for album of the year. Adele, 30, not a great album, but anyway, I digress. That's neither here nor there. Um, obviously, when Adele won the last time for 25, she gave the very tearful speech, being like, 
Beyonce is the artist of my life. So we'll see if there's a repeat of that this year. Uh, and then a year after withholding Fearless from Grammy's consideration, Taylor's version, of course, Taylor Swift chose to submit Red, Taylor's version in the album of the year and best country album categories. Very much seeing this as like a redemption era for those albums and for her because obviously Red was originally up for album of the year and best country album. The year was originally released and she did not win in either of those categories. All Too Well, the 10-minute version, is obviously up for awards. Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Music Video of the Year. Uh, there's a couple of other, some of the other vault tracks I bet you think about me is up for stuff. Um, but in terms of the big contenders, one thing I was surprised about, ABBA came up in this a lot more than I anticipated. So Record of the Year, we have ABBA, Don't Shut Me Down, Adele, Easy On Me, Beyonce, Break My Soul, Brandy Carlisle featuring Lucius, You and Me on The Rock, which is a great song. And I only heard it because I was listening to Rowan Collins on RT Radio, one in the car, one of the days. Really good song. I need to go back to that album. Uh, Doja Cat, Woman, Harry Styles, as it was, Kendrick Lamar, The Hard Part Five, Lizzo, About Damn Time, Mary J. Blige, Good Morning Gorgeous, which is not an album I've listened to, but I will now because of that incredible title. Steve Lacey, Bad Habit. That's the record of the year. Album of the year, then we have ABBA, Voyage, Adele, 30, Bad Bunny, Un Verano Senti. There we go. Uh, Beyonce, Renaissance, Brandy Carlisle, In These Silent Days, Coldplay, Music of the Spheres, which is laughable, Harry Styles, Harry's House, Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, Lizzo, Special, Mary J. Blige, once again with Good Morning Gorgeous, but the deluxe version this time, not the regular. Song of the Year, we have Adele, Easy On Me, Beyonce, Break My Soul, Bonnie Raitt, Just Like That, DJ Khaled, God did Gail ABCDFU, which if you ever have imposter syndrome, just remember that Gail, Gail, named after Gail Platt from Carnation Street, jury's still out on that. And her saying the fucking alphabet is up for song of the year. Hashtag believe in yourself. Uh, Harry Styles as it was, Kendrick Lamar at the Heart Part 5, Lizzo about damn time, Steve Lacey, Bad Habit, Taylor Swift, All Too Well, in brackets, 10-minute version, in more brackets, the short film. And then I won't carry on, just one last category, Best New Artist, we have Anita, uh, Dami and J.D. Beck, Lato, Maniskin, which is very significant given your vision beginnings and everything like that, Molly Tuttle, Mooney Long, Omar Op uh, Apollo, Samara Joy, Toby and Wii and Wet Leg. So we shall see. That usually happens February time-ish next year. Obviously, loads of other categories. If you want to go look up the full list, you can. I'm still enthralled at the fact that Gail was nominated for the song of the year. The person who came up with the alphabet song is r rotating, doing flips in their grave. Anyway... We'll be looking forward to watching that closely, seeing the fashion, seeing the performances, seeing if Taylor Swift wins everything, if we're going to have a Battle of the Gals again, Adele v. Beyonce, the Taylor Swift Smackdown. Let's go. Elsewhere, Chris Evans is the sexiest man alive, according to People, the magazine, and society at large. Put in a, put in a drum there, Adam. He's taken over the mantle from Paul Rudd. Usually I wouldn't include this because like, what's the story there? White man is hot. Like stereotypically good looking uh, man 
recognized for jawline hair and face. Cool. Okay. Not really groundbreaking. Uh, in the words of Shania Twain, that do not impress me much. But what was significant is that usually this is, when someone's picked for something like this, it's usually baked into them promoting something. You know what I mean? Uh, but Chris doesn't, isn't promoting anything at the minute. There's no movies, no TV shows, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He is promoting instead the want to become a husband, a dad, a traditional life, if you will. He said in the in this issue that, like, because they were talking about dating, whatever, within the people issue. And he's saying, uh, you know, talking about having this desire to settle down one day, start a family. And he said, that's absolutely something I want. Wife, kids, building a family. When you read about most of the best artists, whether it's actors, painters, writers, most of them admit it wasn't the work they made that they are most proud of. It was about the relationships, the families they created, the love they found, the love they shared. Fair enough, okay. Uh, I'm loving this rebrand as uh, Family Guy. That's interesting. Um, but then I suppose what was significant as well is that it kind of came with this tail end of news that he has a girlfriend. They've been together for like a year and it is serious. Her name is Alba Baptista. She's 25. She's an actress. Uh, first garnered attention for her role on Netflix is Warrior Nun, <laughs> which is a fake show if I ever heard, but apparently it's not. It's ran for two seasons. She's also in Miss Harris Goes to Paris, which was out this year, which I have not seen. Um, a source told people, because of course they did, they are in love and Chris has never been happier. His family and friends all adore her. Um, and obviously with this news now, like some fans had kind of tweaked this. I think they'd been seen together on occasion. Um, there'd been a couple of things. I think some had tweaked it and have known this for ages and they're like, this isn't news to us. Um, and then you have the others. And I suppose the circles intersect at some points in terms of, you know, whatever. Some of them are absolutely devastated at this news. Obviously, because he is the nice Chris and he is an absolute lash bag, unsurprisingly. I I just wanted to include this because uh, De Moi, for anyone that's unfamiliar, uh, it's this Instagram page. They call themselves like curators of pop culture. It's like this anonymous person or people, whatever. They used to basically post tidbits of alleged celeb gossip. It kind of expanded to this website where people then could submit their own blind items about celebrities, like unverified celebrity gossip. I really have to stress that. It's all completely unverified. That's important, right? They have, the, they have a book now. They have merch, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They've gotten into hot water with celebs before uh, because they do this series called... Uh, I think it used to just be called Spotted where they would share where celebs were at a given time, like a restaurant or whatever. Um, they've since changed it so that now that it's not in real time, but it's just to show like where your favourite celebs are going out and everything else, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I know Sebastian Stan called them out. I think it was about that if it wasn't just about kind of the unverified, like them being like... X is shagging X, whatever. Anyway, that brief explainer aside, I'm sure all of you understand what Dumas is and how it works. But anyway, uh, a Chris Evans stan, I'm assuming, sent in this submission to Dumas in the wake of this news. Because you can imagine there's a subsection of fans who, who've been tracking this and feel like bamboozled. You've some who are devastated because their internet boyfriend is not their boyfriend, never really was their boyfriend, but now is fully in a committed relationship. And someone sent this in and it just made me, it made me 
it made me chuckle quite a lot. Uh, so Adam, cue the emotional music. And actually, sorry, before Adam does that, I don't think this, per- this person's first language is English. So I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of it making sense. Hopefully the comedy isn't lost. So this actually, the subject line is, we are mad, but please hear us out. Hi, Dumois. I saw the Anon email and I heard your podcast about Chris Evans. And you asked on your IG stories why we are mad. All of the world knew he contradicted himself last summer with his laser focus on finding someone. Finding is in all caps. Which was published later on People magazine as Chris Evans is single. Now, after he was cornered, for God knows whatever reason, he comes out and says, actually, we've been dating for more than a year. The fans that are mad are not those who are unhinged because he is in a relationship. We are mad because when he wanted us to stream the grey man for him, he went on and played the internet boyfriend game while he has been dating her for 10 months at that time. Don't generalise that all of the fans are hating on her. After all, to some of us who are the fans that had been with him for years, we are not blaming her for anything. She didn't do anything wrong. He's the much older and more influential boyfriend. We are mad because we are now questioning everything he said when he needed the fandom support. Hollywood is a game and we are aware of that. But the thing we demanded from him is honesty and respect. If you wanted to keep your relationship status private, we respect that and we wanted you to be honest and not saying I am single and looking for the one. I hope you post our opinion as I know some of the fans are against any woman he dates. But that's not all of us. No, no. He needs to know this. Defending you? Never again. Hiding your mess? Never again. You disrespected us because you lied. Not because you were dating. And now you are on your own. Sincerely, ex-devoted fans for years. Captain America's not real. I can't... I can't stress that enough. And I tell you what, touching grass, it's free. The cost of living crisis will never affect going out and touching some grass. That's all I'm going to say on that. But speaking of Dumois, I can't believe how much I'm referencing Dumois in this episode, but anyway. Sunday past, uh, we had Dumois sharing a message from a follower who claimed that they saw Emily Ratajkowski and Pete Davidson out on a date in New York. The message read... Can't believe I'm saying this, Anon please, M. Rata and Pete Davidson on a date in Brooklyn together, holding hands and all, in caps. I'd love to think that that was just a court person being like, holding hands and all? Girl, they were holding hands and all. Skitting. The fan also claimed his hands were all over her and they're clearly hooking up. Pete, <laughs> sorry, Pete Davidson and Emily Ratajkowski, yeah, support, reportedly spot on a date over the weekend. He's obviously just... Uh, on the rebound from Kim Kardashian. She split from her husband, Sebastian Bear McClare, earlier this year. They share a son together. A source told us weekly on Monday, Pete and Emily have been talking for a couple of months now. And the insider added that the pair are in the very early stages, but both really like each other. Which made me think, right, was obviously Pete Davidson is bouncing and bouncing and bouncing around. Ryan Bailey, if you follow him, he does the podcast So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. He was like doing the the breaking down the timeline of his kind of famous relationships. Pete Davidson's not Ryan Bailey himself. And you know, like you're talking obviously pre-Kim, there was Phoebe Dynever, 
from Bridgerton, Kazi Davidson, Ariana, yup, Ariana. Um, There's someone else in the middle of that that was high profile, that is, you know, he's been connected to Kaya Gerber. Like, what? What is it? What is it about him? That's the question I asked. And I was thinking, what does every woman want? You know, because he clearly has it. And then I realized gender equality, it's in his mouth. It has to be somewhere around the back of those tonsils because why would anyone, why would that many extremely gorgeous women be doing this? And then I thought as well, you know what else he might have? A fair share of household chores in his trousers. That's all women want. That's all women want. And he has them all. He has, he has secrets. He has government secrets and he keeps them in his jocks and someone needs to investigate. He, and let it be Emily. Let it be our normal, hot celeb girl. Let her do it. Because Kim was never going to do it. Kim's not concerned with those secrets. She has secrets of her own. I mean, fair play. We'll see. We shall certainly see. I feel like Emily is trying to shake the Brad Pitt rumours and this helps her podcast. And by by that token, what does Pete get from this, I hear you ask? Pete gets to shag Emily Ratajkowski, allegedly. Flat Culture has no legal team to back up those claims, so please don't come looking. What do we think? Are they really together? Let me know. At Flap Culture underscore pod. I'm sure this is not the end of the story. Speaking of stories, on Flap Culture this week, an interesting flap because on paper, this should have been a smash. You're talking the Golden Boys of Comedy, parodying the music industry at large, as well as a divisive figure in pop music, accompanied by a very credible cast, celeb cameos to beat the band. And while rave reviews followed, ticket sales were slow, so slow that the movie lost $11 million at the box office. Ouch. However, since its 2016 release, it's developed a bit of a cult following that includes my guest and now me, because I loved it. Spoiler alert. Rolling Stone staff writer Brittany Spanos joins me to talk pop star, never stop, never stopping. Brittany Spanos, a pleasure to have you on Flop Culture. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. What did you pick. I always ask this as if I don't know we're about to record an episode on it so I do know but tell the lovely listeners at home what did you pick? I chose pop star never stop never stopping. Which I was delighted you did because this was it's been on my radar and it's always been something that I'm like I would really enjoy this I don't know why I've never watched it and it was only (laughs) after watching this and doing the research for the episode I'm 90% sure that it was actually never released in Ireland because, <laughs> oh, really? of, because it was a flop. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's such a good movie. And it's a movie that I was so good. I was like, this movie is going to be so big. I went to a screening of it. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be like the biggest movie of the year. It's so brilliant. Like all these big stars in it. And it's just like, no one saw it. For anyone who isn't familiar with Popstar, Never Stop Stopping, what is it about? So it's basically, uh, it's from the Lonely Island. So Andy Samberg and his crew who made all of those incredible songs for SNL, um, the digital shorts and all of that. So they made this film about a fictional pop star who is based very, um, not, not loosely off of Justin Bieber, but also, you know, a lot of 
a lot of other pop star kind of tropes. And it's a big parody of the music industry, of sort of, you know, just kind of ridiculous pop star behavior. It is very, very funny. There's a lot of, I mean, it's all original songs um, by this fictional pop star, Connor, for real. For anyone who's not familiar with Andy Samberg and The Lonely Island, like they definitely will be. Like we know them over here, but I suppose SNL and them in a way, I don't think people get, I think some people won't get how big they were in that moment in time and kind of predating that. Fun fact, I um, I have a very specific memory of kissing a boy at a summer camp exclusively for nerds for the entirety of I'm on a boat <laughs> by the Lonely Island and it, it's a memory that haunts me quite frequently. Um, but for anyone unfamiliar, like what was it about them that people just loved? Yeah, I mean, so when they, when Andy Samberg, so Andy Samberg was the only person in Lonely Island who was technically on Saturday Night Live. And it was, I mean, I feel like SNL is constantly in these cycles of everyone's like, oh, it used to be so much better before. It used to be so much better in the 70s. Like, it's losing its touch. And it was kind of in a, a little bit of a slump, really. Like, it was doing the same things over and over again. It was, it just had the same exact structure that it had for, I guess at that point, like 20, 30 years. So Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island doing the digital shorts, doing these original songs was like a huge coup for SNL to kind of come into the 21st century. And YouTube had just started to become really big and they were able to kind of really work with that and make these viral moments, like some of these like early viral YouTube moments with these original songs that are also like, they're funny, they're ridiculous. Um, Mm. Like Lazy Sunday, of course, was the the first one that really broke them through. And, um, you know, it's just, they, they were also just like really good songs. Like they were really catchy songs. Of course, Dick, Dick in a Box did really well. Um, and, you know, they did songs with like Rihanna and Green Day and they got all these like huge stars who would come through SNL to be able to do something really fun and kind of parody themselves or parody their style of music. Um, and it was just always, it always really popped off for them. They had kind of come off the back of some other box office flops. So there was Hot Rods, I think, and McGruber. Yeah. They were, each of them were kind of individually involved with both of them in some capacity. And again, very similar to this, did quite poorly at the box office, but developed this cult following as this has. Yeah. Why do you think this flopped so badly commercially? Because as I said, I'd never watched it before today. I genuinely think it's hilarious. Even in 20, like it's 2022 now. It came out in 2016. It hasn't aged that badly, which was my fear going yeah. into it. I thought it would be very dated. Um, it's a great length. Yeah. It's 87 minutes. That's a gr- like a whopper movie length for me. Joel Apatow's in it. We'll go through the cast later on. Absolutely stacked cast. But something about this didn't connect. Or what? what's your theory behind it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Also, especially in comparison to Hot Rod, I feel like more so than McGruber is like Hot Rod, I feel like was a lower budget film, right? Like that was like a much, much lower. This was like, like $20 million. Like they spent a lot of money on this movie. And so for it to not do as well as it did, I think it only made like a fraction of that back. 9.5 um, uh, million against yeah. a 20, do- 20, 20 dollars, 20 million dollar budget. Like that's insane. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I honestly, like I've thought about it a lot. I was like, I really just have genuinely no idea. Cause I feel like maybe it just wasn't promoted correctly. Maybe it just like, 
you know, maybe it just wasn't the right time. Maybe people just weren't interested in this type of story. Um, it felt to me like the perfect time because this has been Justin Bieber was on his apology tour for, um, during his like purpose era post his, you know, two, three years of doing the most chaotic things a pop star could do. And this felt like such a perfect send up of that. But for some reason, people just were not ready for it. So I think it might've been more of a promotional thing than anything else. Um, but yeah, it's really weird. Like, I feel like it just never, it just never took off. Like the reviews were really good. There's a lot of promise in it, but it was really fascinating to me that no one saw it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Andy Samberg came out and kind of said after that they kind of had this, not frustration, that's that's my own words, but I suppose from them, like it was very heavily marketed, even from yeah. the title, which is very funny. You know, it's riffing on Justin Bieber, never yeah. say never. But as you said, this came out well after that. This was around yeah. that time where he was on this apology tour and to be honest, was kind of breaking through in the mainstream as a man in inverted commas for the first time. Um, so I, th- I feel like it was that association for them. They just felt when they were making this movie, this like mockumentary, they always had like that. It, it's like, you know, it's very spinal tap, but it wasn't necessarily because even for myself going into it, I was like, oh, this is like very Justin Bieber-esque. It's going to follow like, yeah, it's going to riff on that story of the young fella coming up, doing covers on YouTube, everything like that. But the whole basis is around that it's he's like the breakout star of a band and the inevitably the band get back together so there's a part of me that thinks that there's a part of me that's also like when you look at that year it wasn't a massive year for comedy in movies like I kind of even didn't realize until I was doing my research you know it's it's like Moonlight it's La La Land a lot of other like kind of heavy you know, dramas, theatricals. How much do you think that played into it? I think, yeah, I feel like this wasn't, I feel like comedy movies haven't really been in the best position usually. Like, I feel like they're definitely in the same way that SNL was when Andy Samberg joined. Like, it was, you know, I feel like comedy movies kind of entered a slump. Um, I think they started to become a lot more self-serious. They, I think, you know, Judd Apatow definitely had like a little bit of, of stuff to do with that where it kind of became like, it's not just a 90 minute comedy movie. It's like two and a half hours. And like this person's going to go through like an incredible amount of like growth in it. And it's like, you know, it's funny, but it's not the same as like a 90s sort of like silly kind of, you know, like a Will Ferrell type of like early 2000s movie where it's like you're in and out and it's mostly just like hit after hit after hit, you know, but yeah, it just kind of, I, there hasn't been as many 
sort of like big blockbuster comedies in the same way. I feel like it's sort of dwindled over the last decade or so where it's very rare to get a big budget comedy. And now it's much easier with streaming where people can just drop, you know, a a rom-com or a straightforward comedy on Netflix or on Hulu or HBO. Like they can just kind of drop it into the streaming verse and it can kind of gain traction and things like that. But it doesn't always sell that way in a theater, the way that things that are like big sweeping dramas or, um, you know, action movies or superhero movies. Like, I feel like this was definitely coming at a time where Marvel is sort of like really, really starting to take over the cultural conversation, the blockbuster conversation. And, you know, there was everything was working for Andy Samberg to sort of be primed as like the next big Will Ferrell type or, you know, next big like Mike Myers type of comedy person, but it just wasn't happening. And he, and also I think maybe if it had happened after, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he gained a lot of success from his own TV show that he's leading, where he has, he had immense success with that show. I think maybe it would have done a little bit better, but um, yeah, the SNL star to movie star timeline just kind of really got like skewed in that time, because I think also there was a lot of failure (laughs) from some of the other ones, like Jimmy Fallon wasn't able to do it. Um, Yeah, like McGruber, that wasn't a big success from, from all of that. Like, it just... It wasn't working the same way. You mentioned the, you know, the kind of pop star in the music industry tropes that we see throughout the movie. What's your favorite kind of thing that they do or what do you think that they do really well in it? Oh, I I, I love the Equal Rights song. I think that's such a great send up of like pop stars kind of trying really hard to make something that is, you know, speaking to uh, the greater good and they just kind of completely miss everything. Um and completely miss the point, and it's sort of just, you know, really self-serving. It's just such a perfect, perfect send-up of that. I also really love the Hunter the Hungry character, because it's just so fun to see a parody of Tyler the Creator, and, like, his entire style. I I love that character. I thought that's... And his scenes are, like, they never fail to make me cry um, laughing. I loved the... It's it's CMZ that they call it, isn't it? And actually, where they're, like, riffing off those... Those, those videos that they do for the newsroom of TMZ where they're all talking about a big breaking story and it's like Will Arnett, Eric Andre, Chelsea Peretti. Eric Andre just fucking kills me. Like at one point him and Chelsea just start like talking absolute gibberish and like screaming <laughs> laughing about the most fucking inane shit. It's so, so good, honestly. Oh, so yeah, good. Yeah, it's really, it's really funny. I mean, the songs are, I find the songs like really, really listenable too from the, from the album. Um, I mean, Lonely Island, they're just like Finest really. Girl is so good. So, it's so it's, good. I rewatched the video today because I just hadn't watched it in forever and it's just so funny. Like that is like the most insane song and it's just, they do it so well and it's such a catchy song too. I, the catchphrase song also with, um, or yeah, Turn Up the Beef with Emma Stone. I mean, it's just really, I mean, all of the. The guests are incredible. Yeah, they're so, yeah, I said I mentioned it, like the cameos. It's like everyone, they do like, you know, the talking heads where it's like Akon, ASAP Rocky, <laughs> who looks so young in this, uh, DJ Khaled, 50 Cent, uh, Questlove. I laughed a lot when he came up. Seal is in a very funny scene around a potential wedding, which yeah. is just incredible. Martin Sheen, it's just, if you can think of someone, they're probably in this. Also, Mariah Carey, iconic cameo being her usual me myself it's very very good yeah um in your opinion should there be a sequel 
And if so, what would you like to see the Style Boys and Connor for real up to now? I mean, I think there can and there should be because I think they did this so well. And I think the film, it's gained a cult following. Like sometimes there are screenings here at um, the Alamo Draft House. Like they've had screenings for people to sing along to them. Like it's not the level of, you know, like a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show or like The Room where people are like going to screens all the time. Like it's not like a huge like that um, sort of cult online fandom following. But I think it's, it's interesting to see more people kind of be like, oh, yes, that movie. I've never seen it. Like every time I introduce it to a new friend, they're always just like, I cannot believe it's taken me so many years to get to this. So I feel like it's gained traction. And I think it's, again, like you said, like it's aged well. Like there's still... Um, a lot of stuff that's still really funny and still really makes sense and feels really timely. Um, so I can see them doing it. I would love, you know, if they did like another sort of send up of another kind of pop star, um, that could be really funny or I, you know, I think like doing another sort of like pop star trope would be really great. Like, you know, Connor can go country in the next one or something like it's something like really, really insane. Um, and they would have a lot of fun with it. And I think that it would be really good time but I feel like this movie is just like it's so good and I think they could easily do it again like they're just the Lonely Island are just such talented songwriters and I don't think they get enough credit for how well they're able to parody styles of music and parody like certain like lyrical structures and certain um just all kinds of musical tropes like they're just really really good at doing that the only moment where I was like transported back to 2016 was I was someone in one of the talking heads they're talking about like being sad and saying that they haven't been sadder since a character in The Good Wife died. And I was like, oh, okay, we're not, we're not actually in the present day. But everything else, I was pleasantly surprised. Everything else held up so well. Yeah. So good. And the one thing so that good. I wonder too, I wonder too, like if they had sort of given in more to the idea of this like pop star breaking out from a group, like the group is so clearly styled after the Beastie Boys, which feels like, in retrospect now, like I liked it when I first saw the movie, but like rewatching, I'm like, you know, like that, like that might've felt already a little bit aged out for people who like, aren't super like nerdy about music and care. Like, I feel like some people are probably like, what is this? And it makes sense for the, those three who very clearly draw a lot from the Beastie Boys and a lot of what the Lonely Island does, which is, you know, like Lazy Sunday, for example, is again, like that being the first thing they worked on for SNL is such a Beastie Boys send up as well. Um, so I guess that makes sense for them, but I feel like they could have done a little, something a little bit more like boy bandy might have also probably like been more fun, especially because you have like Justin Timberlake in there and also being such a good friend and collaborator of Andy Samberg's like, I feel like that could have been also really funny. Have you seen the, I hate using this expression, but the the Schneider cut where it's where from the Blu-ray or the DVD where they had like an hour's more footage where it included more of the songs like Mona Lisa and that uh, I don't think so if I have it's, it was years ago but I don't think yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek that out after this that's gonna be my yeah. uh, my weekend viewing I think I'm very excited uh, <laughs> Brittany it's been an absolute pleasure for anyone who is interested in hearing more from you and reading more from you where can they find all that um, I write for Rolling Stone, so you can find me on rollingstone.com. And I also co-host a podcast called Don't Let This Flop, and it's about internet culture. So you can find me on anywhere you can find your podcasts. It has been an absolute pleasure. As I said, Brittany Spanos, thank you so much for thank joining for me, having me on Flop Culture. And you can watch Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. It's available to stream with the Sky Cinema Pass on now or 
and Sky Cinema if you have it on demand. You can read Britney's work in Rolling Stone and online. She also hosts Don't Let This Flop, a podcast about internet news, memes and pop culture. We are kindred sisters in flop. So happy to have her on. Before I let you go, let's discuss who is Top of the Flops this week. You're a flop. Top of the Flops this week, Elon Musk. I mean, he could have he could have tied last week, but I just, I needed to get my dig in about Drake. But obviously there's only one contender this week. Imagine sinking a ship that was already sinking as much as Elon has done Twitter. Bought Twitter for $44 billion. Don't make me do the oral currency conversion. I can't be at that. He's dismissed the company's board of directors and top executives. He's laid off much of the rest of the company's full-time workforce by email. All right, Carrie Bradshaw. Eliminating the jobs of outsourced contractors, tasked with fighting misinformation and other harmful content as he begins his campaign to ease restrictions on what users can say on the platform. Musk acknowledged that his recent moves regarding Twitter had been controversial, adding, there's no way to make everyone happy, that's for sure. (laughs) Which is like me going to the doctor with a throat infection and I'm like, I have a throat infection and he's like, okay, proceeds to do nothing about the throat infection and then cuts off my arm and then goes... I get not everyone's going to be happy, you know? I mean, your dad is not taking the divorce well. That's all I will say. The one good thing that has come out of this is, you know, he's rolled back on, uh, basically, he's rolled out this like paid verification service thing, which means that people have been basically able to pay for blue ticks. So they've been impersonating companies, mainly companies, uh, celebrities, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um, This all happened last week and we had one person who ended up pretending that they were, I think it was Eli Lilly, who make insulin. Um, And they ended up sending out a load of tweets basically saying that insulin was going to be free now, whatever. And it's put massive scrutiny on Eli Lilly and the fact that they're selling insulin for profit, uh, their stock prices after nosediving, billions lost uh in terms of like market capitalization it's it's so good it's in one sense i'm like if elon inadvertently brings down capitalism a bop but for now very much a flop very much a flop you paid 44 billion dollars to become a full-time edgelord do you know what i mean do you know how many Theresa baby guinness you can get with that loads 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 he's a loser sorry my god my good god how did that man invent self-driving cars did he invent self-driving cars or was he just kind of there do you know what I mean heinous vibes anyway Elon Musk in Anne Robinson fashion you are top of the flops this week goodbye goodbye Kyle Thank you so much for listening to Flap Culture. We are on Instagram and TikTok under Flap Culture underscore pod. You can get in touch at helloflapculture at gmail.com. If you leave a five-star review and your name or nickname on Apple Podcasts, I will recommend a bop to you. You can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. This week's bop is for Griffigy. Griffy J. Thank you so much for a five-star review. You can go watch Prey on Disney Plus this weekend. It's a Predator prequel. It's the fifth movie in the series. The cast are incredible in this. It's mega gory, just FYI. It's, it's it's very, very good. I really cannot understand how good the cast as a collective are. Um, 
And also, just FYI, no spoilers, but if you start it and you're worried about the dog, spoiler, the dog doesn't die, so it's fine. You can keep watching. Don't be stressed. We'll be back next week. We only have two episodes left this season. What a joy. And you're going to love them. One is an Irish TV reality show classic, and the other is an album that kind of spawned the word flop as we know it in colloquial terms. So it's going to be a good one. We're going out with a bang. Podcast has been edited as always by Adam Shannon. Artwork by Brian Lambert. Until next week, see ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.